providing an identity is huge because it just it creates that that community of customers that want to buy more, that want to share and spread the message of what you're doing, and especially if there's a greater meaning to what you're doing. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet, explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smart Sessie podcast where this time we have my friend Yannick Silva on the show. Yannick is an awesome dude. He's also the creator of the Cosmic Journal, an amazing handcrafted, hand-drawn journal that is as special as you should make your journal, frankly. He just showed me a little glimpse. He's also the author of Evolved Enterprise and the founder of Maverick 1000, an amazing global collective of the top entrepreneurs on the planet that love to hang out at Necker Island, Richard Branson's island. Talking of Richard, once upon a time, Yannick dressed as a showgirl in Vegas to surprise Sir Richard Branson on stage before a keynote in front of 3,000 plus people. So we're going to get into that. There's also a photo of Yannick and Richard dressed as mermaids, topless mermaids no less, circulating the internet, which we absolutely need to get into. Yannick has lived a fulfilling life, frankly, so far. He's broken 200 miles per hour in a race car with nothing more than a green speedo on. And he has built multiple seven-figure businesses, but that is not the game he plays anymore. His game right now is a much more important one, one of fulfillment and legacy. And that is going to be a big theme in today's show. So without further ado, there is so much more to talk about. So let's bring the man of the moment to the stage. Yannick, how's it going? Hey, Martin, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. One one quick clarification, uh, not multiple businesses, but multiple projects in that seven figure. I just want to, you know, have, have full <laughs> transparency there. Okay, I've, I got everything else just about on there. So we're... we're... <laughs> So whereabouts in the world are you right now, Yannick? I'm at home. I'm in Maryland, right outside D.C., and enjoying beautiful spring weather. Beautiful. Okay, so the way we like to kick off this show is we like to go back, go back in time to a logical starting off point, which serves as a a milestone or an early chapter in your entrepreneurial career. If you have a time in mind, could you take us back there, paint as a word picture? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to start with my family actually coming to the U.S. from Russia. So we came over when I was three years old. My dad came with $256 in his pocket for me, my mom, my grandmother. And he ended up, uh, as a lot of entrepreneurs do, kind of moonlighting on the side. This is before it was called the side, a side hustle. And he was working at a hospital center, but also repairing medical equipment for private doctors. And they found out about it. And they're like, OK, well, you can either keep doing that and you have to leave or you need to stop doing that. And he also, you know, he told me later on that he didn't really love his boss. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm just going to go and figure out this thing. And, and so he left. And so I grew up in a family business, which was medical equipment sales and service company. And, I, I, you know, I feel like I've got such a big head start from that because at 14 years old, I was telemarketing 16. I was out on the road. But, I, but the deal was I got a car only if I went and cold called doctors. So I had to <laughs> actually my dad's like, go, Mr. Yonder, go make some sales. And literally, um, I, I sold one doctor an entire surgery center and he and I became friends and he gave me a Jay Abraham tape. And so when I'm like 16, 17, I guess 18, maybe 17, I was driving around with all my buddies 
And I have all these tapes because then I started getting into everything, not only just marketing, but then self-development. And I have all these tapes littering my car. Uh, and my friends are like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, nah, don't worry about it. You, you, won't, you won't like any of that. And, and so that was kind of a defining moment of all these, uh, these, little, these little dots seeming to, to connect. And, uh, and then so I started learning everything I possibly could about direct response marketing and took my dad's business from a little uh, regional player to a national player. And, and writing these long form ads that, you know, that he would look at, he's like, nobody's going to read all this. I'm like, I'm like, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And, and so that really is where I got my chops of the director's wow. and, and marketing side. So that's phenomenal. And we do see a recurring theme with guests on the show where there is a, a not insignificant amount of sales experience somewhere in their past and somewhere in their early career. What's impressive here is you were as a teen were selling medical devices and medical related things to doctors uh but, but it totally sucked because you know who's going to pay attention to the 16 17 year old 18 year old kid when you're 50 60 year old doctor and so that's when you know the lights went on about direct response i'm like oh i don't have to go talk to them anymore i can only talk to the ones that are really interested and that really changed my perspective in this huge way and then doctor clients started coming to me and they're like, oh, you seem like you're really into this marketing stuff. Maybe you can help me get more patients, which turned me into helping them with their practice. And I'm like, well, there's no real leverage in me consulting. Let me maybe, you know, I started learning about Dan Kennedy and a couple other people. And I'm like, oh, I could maybe create an information product. And that was the first time I ever got, you know, that idea came into my head. And, and then so literally from underneath my desk in my office, my dad's place, I was answering the phone fielding calls for this uh, this kit that I had created to help other doctors. Amazing. <laughs> and so what um, what things did you learn in your early days that you then applied to sales letters at the time, which still applies today, would you say? Well, I think the, the big thing was learning about just that idea of like, what does it take to get somebody to raise their hand and say they're interested without you having to talk to them? And, and that really did set up what, what I was doing online in, in 2000 because so I, I wrote an ad. It was about a 20 page report, I guess. And then I wrote an ad that went into dermatologic surgery news or something like that. So the first group of customers were derm dermatologists to get more pa uh, cosmetic patients. And I had 10 of them respond. And then they got this 20 page report. And this was before I created the product. And literally, um, you know, they had to fax back their order form and it's like, chick, 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 chick. And literally every time the, the fax machine rang, I'd be running up there and I'm like, oh shit, nothing. And then finally <laughs> we got this one and I'm like, yes, you know, so I had like $900 and then I wrote back to the that guy. I'm like, okay, uh, it's going to be republished. We're not going to charge your card until then. And, and, you know, and then la I would just get to work five o'clock. I'd punch out every single day and just go, go work on this thing. But what applied was all the same things, which were the, the direct response marketing, the fundamentals. Like I would go back. So I love going back, like, you know, the, the current people and then who did, who were influenced by, who were, who were they influenced by and then who were they influenced by? So I would go back and find like the turn of the century mail order people. And that, that's what I would love reading about and learning about. Uh, and those, those things still apply because you had to get somebody to take action by going down to a post office or going down you know, somewhere else, it wasn't as easy as like clicking a button saying, okay, I want the product. And then that turned into later on all, all those skill sets that I use because other people are like, oh, could you help me? And I started consulting and writing copy and so forth for other people. 
which then turned into me literally waking up at three o'clock in the morning uh, with this idea for something called instant sales letters. And, and so that, that really took off and I still had no technical skills and I still don't. Um, and I didn't let that stop me, but, but it was these fill in the blank sales letter templates that were based on real proven psychology and direct response principles that would work for any kind of business. And, and that was the very first thing that really, really took off, but it was based on exactly that, like the original principles and going back to fundamentals of, of direct response. So I love that. And, and I've long been, um, a, should we say a stuck record, a, 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 you know, a tape playing on loop when, when I hear conversations of marketers getting stuck in a, in a, a sort of conversation about the, the latest Facebook hacks to, to, you know, lower their CPMs and so on. And, and basically what I'm, what I say is, look, if your product's good enough and you do a good enough job of selling your product and explaining why it's beneficial uh, to to the to the user to the point that they want it they'll come to your house and buy it right and so <laughs> it's not too far away from what you're saying where you had to get people to like you know get their fax machine write down their credit card send it off to a stranger um what what specific principles still apply where it, where i guess it's fundamental human nature um, like if you were approaching selling something in in 2021, you would you would draw on these tried and tested principles from even from back then. My favorite is reason why is providing a, a reason why. So there's a, a copywriter that's not as well known, a guy named John Powers, John E. Powers, uh, who not that many people probably know about him, but he was the guy that would write ads for this company. I think it was in Philadelphia called Wanamaker's. And his whole thing was like, I'm going to tell the truth. And even if it hurts and he'd write ads like, you know, we have some pretty good neckties at 25 cents. They're, you know, they're not great, but they're good enough at 25 cents. And, you know, John Wanamaker, like, look at this. He's like, what? We can't say that. He's like, well, they're not that great. And he's like, we're running it. And, and so uh, and, and it would sell out all their neckties because it was it was truthful. Um, I remember another time he wrote an ad like we are. It, I forgot the, the wording of it. It was a little little old uh, Englishy type wording, but it's something like our 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 backs are to the wall, and we have creditors to pay. If we don't pay them, we're going to go out of business. So it, it was like a way of telling a sale, and it worked, and it, and it was truthful. And so, like I think right now, even more so because people are smarter than ever. They've seen everything going on in the marketing space, like you know. I don't know what the, like the, the deadline, the fake deadlines and the, the scripts and all that stuff, like that doesn't work. Uh, well, I take that back. It does work in a certain sense, but it doesn't necessarily work to create a long-term valued customer and community and, and someone that really trusts you. And like, you know, maybe you can get the sale one time, but mm -hmm. real money in your business is, is long-term sales and, and people that are going to continue buying from you and trust you. And so one of the things that I wrote in my journal way, 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 way back was I get rich by enriching others 10x to 100x in return for what they pay me. And so that was one of the things that I was always thinking about. I was like, okay, how do I provide 10x in value or 100x in value for anything? And so that was one of them. And then providing the reason why. Like, I think even more than ever, that's so important. And, and if you can provide a real reason why, why are you doing something, you know, if you are having a sale, it's not because you're such a great guy or gal, but that, you know, there could be a reason why you're doing it. And the more you let people in and the transparency behind things, the better I think that's going to be. And I've even gone so far now recently to start talking about my ulterior motive. 
And I love that. Like it's, it's fun to be like, and, and here's the other thing. And here's why I want to do this because we're going to create uh, a coalition of people that are then also going to support each other. And by the way, you know, I would then hopefully have some, some access to your own database if, if you're willing, you know, to whatever, to share my cosmic journal or share whatever, right? Like, so, so I tell them like, what's my ulterior motive for, for bringing them together. And I think it's really, really powerful. It's refreshing. It's refreshing in a world of um, gurus and BS that to, to just have, you know, a breath of fresh air like that, I think. And, and, and right. Yeah. And, and you giving know, people important. the benefit of the doubt that they're not idiots, like, you know, and people can see through the, you know, the value stack or whatever, when it's like $10,000 and now we're going to sell it to you for, you know, $497 or whatever it look, it works, right? Because we're playing on psychology that has worked forever, but you have to kind of decide how do you want to play it? Like, like it doesn't, you don't need to do all those things in order to have a successful business. Uh, and, and you can even, you can even like play against it in a way like, like you can have, um, like, so for instance, you still have to do all the right things in marketing, right? Like you have to get their attention. You have to build up the interest and build up their desire and then make them get to action and, and show them proof that this thing works and so forth. So you have to get to all of those things, but it doesn't mean that we have to do it in a way that's, that feels manipulative and feels like we're, 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 we're forcing them into something like it can be done in a way that, that really does feel incredibly authentic, incredibly transparent and even vulnerable in, in a way. A hundred percent. I feel like a good litmus test is how you would feel meeting up with the customer right after they've had a chance to enjoy your post-purchase experience and your product and you, how comfortable you'd be looking them in the eye and you know sh shaking their hand and um, hearing their their feedback and right even even words are so important right like you, you said customer a lot of people will talk about direct to consumer or consumer like it's like all of a sudden we've now created this so you know as i said as a copywriter words are so incredibly important and it's like, what do you call that person that buys from you? Do you call them a customer? Do you call them a consumer? Do you call them a buying unit? Do you call them, uh, you know, uh, or, or is it a community or is it a client or a member? Like there's all those things create new ways that you're thinking about. Like if you're going to look at them eye to eye right after the purchase, um, I think all of that can affect it, right? Like, so it's, it's like, you and I'm also a big believer in giving uh, giving your community a name too, and we can you know maybe get into that. It's one of the principles in Evolved Enterprise, but but it's like how do we get people to be part of something bigger, and how do we like even in this world like you know I know a lot of a lot of people listening are e-commerce and so forth. So that idea of DTC direct to consumer, like I think I think we need to consider like should be DTC direct to community. And what does mm. that look like? So what do you call someone that has purchased the Cosmic Journal from you? <laughs> uh, a Cosmic Journeyer. A Cosmic Journey Journeyer. Yeah. And, and do they identify as that as well? Uh, you know, that one, we haven't, we haven't done as much uh, as far as like the identity of, of what that is. Uh, there's still a lot, lot to be done there. But, but there is a Facebook group of Cosmic Journeyers. Uh, but the one that I've definitely done the most where people identify really deeply is this Maverick group where, where you know, you ask someone like, yeah, I, I am a Maverick. And that's what you want. Like you want someone to identify and be like, I am a deadhead or I am a, 
a parrot head from uh, Jimmy Buffett or I'm a burner or whatever it is, but, but providing an identity is huge um, because it just builds, it, it creates that, that community of customers that want to buy more, that want to share and spread the message of what you're doing. And especially if there's a greater meaning to what you're doing, you know, I know you've talked about enlightened entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a term that I think is kind of similar in evolved enterprise. And, and it's this idea of how do we move from transactional to transformational where everybody's identity is actually associated with something more to even transcending what business can be. And if they feel like they're part of that journey and, and the community is, is part of it, like they will become your biggest advocates and, and want to share what, what they just what they just bought from you because it, it, it is truly transformational. Absolutely. How good is this episode so far? Well, we're going to get right back into it after this quick recommendation. Let me ask you something. What percentage of your revenue comes from email? If it's less than 20%, then you may well be leaving money on the table. With my brand, newbrew.com, 20% of our revenue is driven by email. Why? Because I myself got out of the way and let the email experts handle it. You see, with previous brands, email was often an afterthought, right? I would rely on sales, email sales, 20% off today, 15% off today, and rarely spared the time to do it properly. You know, split testing subject lines, keeping the list hygiene high, nurturing our sending reputation, and figuring out the ways to engage our list and drive sales without doing sales or discounts or scarcity just by engaging them. So who are these experts? Well, in our case, they're a fantastic agency from Canada called And Bam, a fantastic name by the way. And they've literally helped hundreds of brand owners, many of whom have been on this very show, generate consistently high revenue from email. Right now, Ambam are offering free account audits to Smarter Destiny listeners. They'll go through your email account in detail and make personalized recommendations to boost your email sales. If you then want to take the leap and work with them, then I highly recommend you do so, but you don't need to. Head to smarterdestiny.com BAM and book a call. I highly recommend it. All right on with the show so where we are in the timeline is that you are um you've, you've created your instant sales letter people are hearing about the the amazing results you're getting and reaching out to you and and you're helping them with their with their sales letters as well what came next when you got tired of um uh, of that stage in your in your yeah, I mean, instant sales letters was funny, though, and, and everyone can probably relate to that moment of like, you wake up and it's the, it's like, oh wow, someone gave me money while I was sleeping, and that you know that's the the ultimate sort of, I don't know, internet lifestyle, and and, and it, it was true, and then you know, it, it, within um, I don't know four, I think four months, we were on track to do six figures, and it was, it was really exciting to see that come about, and then people are like, well, how did you do that? Could you teach me how to do that? So that was kind of my, my next stage of like helping other people with their own information, content, expertise, and teaching them how to, how to sell it online. And, you know, again, no technical skills. It was just like, let me show you how to package it up and, and what to do, how to market it, um, how I built this affiliate network and so forth. And so, you know, it was really rewarding to me that I'd have people like uh, who's selling guitar lessons online or financial information or 
like my favorite was a kid that drove up six hours to come see me. Uh, he was working out of his college dorm room and he was teaching people how to take an engine out of a Honda Accord, move it into a Honda Civic. And he was doing like $100,000 a year. And his mom thought he was dealing drugs out of, out of his <laughs> dorm, uh, but he was actually just selling information. And so it was, it was incredibly rewarding. And then that turned into, yeah, kind of this, I don't know, career, an inadvertent career of being an internet marketing guru in a way, even though I hated that term. Uh, it was just you know, it was really, it was just like, how do I, how do I help people take their information and knowledge and get it out into the world? And then about 12 years ago, I had this other defining moment. I call it this cosmic alarm clock where I asked a really simple question, which was, am I happy? Would I be happy doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? And a super simple question. But when I was honest and in my journal was where, you know, I was answering these questions, the, the answer was no. And it was a really hard one, too, because it wasn't like I was miserable. I was, you know, anywhere I went, any conference, uh, wherever, there'd always be people that are like, dude, you changed my life. You know, you don't you don't even know me, but I bought your, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or I, you know, or I did this and, and it, it like completely gave me financial freedom. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But it just I, I didn't feel like my my legacy or my impact would be with just the Internet marketing world. I think I think you see you see that um, a lot when when businessmen or entrepreneurs get to a certain level of of finance where it kind of they've got what they need their house is sorted their family are looked after you know some of the shiny toys they they've got those and and really it's like well I'm still not content what's next and I think that's when you start getting into the realms of purpose what would you like written on your gravestone what would you like to be remembered for? And I think that's a, a way in, more interesting conversation. And if you can tie that into giving value, you're good anyway, right? Like the the, the universe will um, provide for you. So off the back of this very important question that you answered in the journal, how did you shake things up? What What was your mission from that point 12 years ago? Yeah, so it was it was the start of a really interesting sideways journey that if I would have known what I was doing, I think I would have done it again. But it was, you know, you walk into it because, you know, again, I had seven, eight different projects that all hit seven figures like, you know, like this. I'm like, oh, OK, well, whatever's next, I, I you know, I got this. And I'm like, OK, what, what do I really want to do? What would make me happy? And I came up with these three interconnected circles and the circles were a dollar sign a happy face and a heart and where they all connected. I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to be this new thing called Maverick business adventures. And I just want to hang out with my buddies. We would go do, I don't know, dune buggy racing and hang out, have business sessions in the middle of nowhere and have a charity element. I'm like, that's awesome. That would be, that would be so much fun. And so I'm a big believer, just like that very first project where you put the stake in the ground and, and go figure it out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the stake in the ground. It's, uh, you know, here's the first trip. It's going to be dune buggy racing. And we got like 25 or 26 people to come along. And and it was a great hit, uh, aside from one thing where I lost about $40,000 on, on that on that trip. And I'm like, no big deal. It's, you know, it's an investment. It's obviously a completely different kind of business, not publishing margins are different. And 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 I'm, I'm like, okay, whatever. And, and then about $400,000 in, my wife's like, um, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and because I had this open checkbook, essentially, you know, from the internet publishing company. Uh, and, and it was just, it's just like, okay, well, that's, 
yeah, there's, there's something I need to look at here. And that was a big <laughs> enough sort of bonk on the head uh, to, to pay attention. And at that point also like so much of my passion had waned for that internet marketing side of things. Like it just, I was just like, no, that's not, that's not what I want to do. I ended up like, I don't remember at that point if I had done that or not, but I canceled my mastermind group, which was all digital marketers. I had, you know, I had basically, you know, just continued shaving off things that I didn't feel like were in full alignment. And, and there were very lucrative things. Uh, it just didn't feel like that was, that was it. And so at that moment, it was a really like, so I, I, I there's different stages I look at for entrepreneurs. Stage one is like you jump out of the, par the, the airplane and you build a parachute on the way down. You're like, I think I have this great idea. And then, and then stage two is like, oh shit, it worked. And then, you know, things are going up and, 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 you know, profits are going up, accolades and so forth, your reputation. And then you get to the spot where it, it kind of plateaus. And, and that's where, you know, for me, that was that, I don't know, like a mild case of depression, I think, uh, you know, just that idea, that frustration of not feeling fully aligned. And that was that stage three, which was the now what. And so for me, that, that was that question. And then that turned into Maverick Business Adventures. But at that point where, you know, that big bonk on the head, it would have been really easy to go back to the digital marketing space and be like, okay, I'm just going to go back and do this thing, which are kind of like golden handcuffs. And it would have felt like almost like, you know, your soul is dying a little bit each day doing that. And so I had to make this gigantic leap without having as big of a net as I had before. And, uh, and even like got to the point where, you know, this is not like a, a boohoo thing, but I was like, I sold my Aston Martin to pay for things that were happening. It was just like, it was either that or my ticket on Virgin Galactic. And it was just like, you know, it was the first time that things were like sideways. And I'm like, how the hell did this happen? Because the other company I built like from, I don't know, maybe 1100 or $1,400 in startup cash and built it up to like three and a half million. I'm like, okay, this you know, this one we're going to build for real. It's going to be like a real company. You know, we're going to do everything right. And it just didn't have the business model behind it. It wasn't right. And then so it really forced me to look at my why. And the why was not to build an adventure travel company. The why was to to change the way business is played. And so it really forced me to say, okay, what is the bigger thing? And in my journal, I also wrote this really interesting question, which was what would my 111-year-old self tell me? And, and so I wrote... Uh, the answer, but I also wrote the answer with my left hand, my non-dominant hand, which kind of opens up your brain. Uh, and, and it's a really great way of, of really getting tapper, tapping into deeper wisdom. And it said, light a thousand suns that each have the potential to light another thousand suns. I'm like, ooh, okay, that's interesting. So then we ended up changing the name of the company to Maverick 1000 instead of Maverick Business Adventures and really much more about growth, impact, and fun. And so we even ended up changing the dollar sign to a tree on that symbol so that it represented growth, like, you know, growing yourself, growing your business, and then that making a difference in the world and, and then having some fun in the process. So the essence remained the same, but the expression started changing and it really started going into this deeper evolutionary work for entrepreneurs um, as I was going on that path too. And then, you know, I had met a lot of interesting people, very well-known sort of business celebrities, like you mentioned Branson and, and a bunch of others, who were part of this picture and then also a lot of unknown people that all became part of this little framework, which became Evolved Enterprise, which really helped me turn around things about 800 some percent and start making Maverick profitable because we leaned into this greater mission and, and what we were doing. So 
I, I think I think that's remarkable. And and the the thousand sons, um, like you said, with the enlightened entrepreneur. You know, the the reason we're building an army of enlightened entrepreneurs is because we can only do so much impact ourselves, right? Myself, really, in in this instance. But empowering an army of enlightened entrepreneurs to go out and do good. That's where real massive impact happens, right? And it's you know absolutely um, aligned. I would say the. I love I love that you've got the 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 visual element the 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 three circles with uh the the tree the heart and the what was the third thing and a happy face like I love that like it's it's really easy to visualize having shown me your journal I can see that you are a visual person with with all of the um the the, the phenomenal drawings through there it started with something so simple as three circles which you change one of the circles later on to to align with with your why and somewhere along your 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 path this turned into a phenomenally successful thing by accident because that wasn't necessarily what you were aiming aiming to do and it evolved into hanging out with some of the top entrepreneurs and I don't mean top in terms of successful although they undoubtedly are but but values wise top entrepreneurs on the planet at places such as Necker Island and dressing as mermaids and surprising uh, Branson dressed as a showgirl in Vegas. I mean, I feel like we've skipped a few steps in this, in, in this, uh, in this story. Can you, I'm curious, could you fill in the blanks there? Yeah. Well, I mean, all along the way it was, um, it, it was, it was just continuing to do things that, I was excited by and that I would want to do and kind of like scratching my own itch is where Maverick originally started from. And I love learning from people that, that have those same values. So, you know, in a lot of the internet marketing conferences, seminars, the conversation is like, okay, well, how do we, how do we increase our click through rate? How do we do this? How do we, I don't know, like, like reduce our, our, our cost per acquisition or whatever. And, you know, those are all, those are all valid conversations, but then I'm getting in these other rooms where it's like, how do we, you know, create a culture that empowers everyone on our team? How do we uh, make a greater difference through the leverage of our companies? How do we, you know, like just deeper, meaningful conversations? And I and I was really drawn to that, and and so that that was who I wanted to expose other entrepreneurs to. Originally, the group consisted of a lot of internet marketers because those are who my friends were, and now we have a, a, a nice diversity of, of members, and we would be exposing them to people like Chip Conley who founded the second biggest boutique uh, hotelier in, in uh, the U.S. And, and he's pretty much only talking about culture. And he's talking about, uh, you know, how do you create this um, th this peak opportunity or identity refresh for not only every stakeholder. So whether it's uh, whether it's your team, your, your, your customers, your, your investors even. And, and, you know, that that wasn't a conversation really going on. I think it's a bigger conversation now. We'd, we'd have like Tony Shea from Zappos come and talk about culture and talk about all these different things. Uh, and it was just new conversations that, that weren't really going on. So I love that. And then we would also, uh, bring in like, let's say a, a shaman or, or different, uh, different energy healers and all sorts of people. And we still do that where, where it's like, okay, let's, let's expose you to, to this whole other idea. Because I think that entrepreneurs, um, the more we can get them thinking about how do we connect your head, which is your business side, your marketing side with your heart, which is the impact you want to make in the world along with your higher purpose, like why the hell are you here? Then it's really, really exciting. And so that was all part of this journey. And then, um, you know, the, this 
was kind of, I don't know, people would call it the dark night of the soul. It was just, it was really fascinating where your identity is so wrapped up in being a successful entrepreneur that, that when things are going sideways, um, so I mentioned the $400,000, my buddy and I are having lunch a couple of years back and he's like, yeah, he's like, yours was 400,000. Mine was 4 million. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, that's a good one. And, <laughs> and he's like, you know, but, it, but it forces you like, so if, if you know, again, visual, right. Uh, so I think of like, what if you had like joy up here, joy is kind of your GPS and so you're, you're always your attractor and joy is not what makes you happy necessarily, but it's, but it's, how do you feel fully utilized? Like that is your full, full self. And then pain are the guardrails. And, and so the universe continues to bonk you on the head harder and harder until you get the message. And the guardrails could be wider because, you know, you need those big bonks and it could be, could be health wise, could be relationship, it could be financial. Um, and, but you're always being attracted to joy. And, but when you're in alignment with head, heart, higher purpose, then it's, it's tighter and, and you're, you're going through things smoother. And, and so when things are not going well, again, it could have been really easy to, to be like, let me go back to what, what I know. And when I sold the Aston Martin, I had, you know, our third car was this, uh, um, you know, bit of a, it wasn't like a beat up MDX, but it wasn't like anywhere near, obviously as nice as, as the Aston. And I remember, you know, it would have been super easy to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go lease uh, a whatever a Mercedes or, or, you know, or whatever, like something that would be normal for me to drive but i'm like no you know i'm gonna hang out in this mdx and see what what's up because i really wanted to disassociate any of my identity with uh with what was before this and and so i remember when it got to the finally the point where i was like so excited and grateful to be driving this mdx where i'd be like okay my paddle boards can go in here i don't have to worry about anything i don't worry about where i where i park it i don't worry about you know having it detailed every other week or whatever I'm like, all right, this is this is a really great thing, and then I could go get another car that really fit me. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't about that anymore. And and I think so many entrepreneurs, it's difficult to take that step back and be like, okay, what I, I think this is going to make me happy. This you know the Aston Martin or the whatever, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just if it continues being that is the thing, the thing doesn't end up being the thing. And, and, and then you're in a spot where it's like, okay, well, what is it? And, it, and it's a very difficult unwinding of, of what is it. So to make this actionable for, for the audience listening or somewhat actionable, because I know this isn't, there's no, there's no cheat sheet. There's no shortcut to this, right? This, this takes a long time and, and a lot of meditation and deep thought. And I love the, the writing with the left hand thing. I, I'm just worried about re, re, uh, reading it back, right? <laughs> my left hand. Uh, it might as well just be a, a stump my, on oh, my left hand in terms of how useful you'll, you'll get better at it. And it's, it's actually really, um, it, it, you know, you, you'll, you'll laugh as you're doing it, but it's incredibly powerful. It's worth, it's worth trying. So to make it, to make it actionable for the, for the audience listening, what, kind of starter questions would you recommend or what starter directions or activities would you recommend to at least begin to find uh that that purpose and that that joy north star yeah the, the questions are really important i love questions questions dictate your answers uh and you know so my favorite questions during this time period were what would my 111 year old self tell me and so you can answer so also by the way when i work with questions i don't just take the first answer. Typically, um, I will. I'll take a page in my journal, and then I'll just keep writing. Because normally, the you know the second, third, fifth 
answer is going to be pedestrian. It's going to be very, very similar to what you might normally get. But as you keep going deeper and deeper into it, you're going to get a lot more meaningful response. Uh, and then, you know, work your other hand into it as well. So what would my 111 year old self tell me? Uh, what would I do even if I knew it would fail is a big one. So this is crib from Brené Brown from her book, Darren Greatly. And this idea of like, what would I do even if I knew it would fail? So so many of, of us are like, okay, if I couldn't fail, what would I do? Uh, or if I, or if I had six months to live, what would I do? And I, I think this is a better question because it disassociates our uh, our results from what is truly ours to do. Like one of my mentors, she would keep telling me, she's like, you have, you know, and all of us as successful entrepreneurs, you have so many opportunities. There's so much you can do, but what is truly yours to do? And then this question of what would I do even if I knew it would fail? And I put fail in quotes actually, because I don't think we fail at anything. You're just getting results and you're, and you're getting uh -huh. feedback and, and it becomes new learning material for you. But, but even if it would fail, like we're so closely associated with, okay, well, what's the sales numbers? What's the, you know, what are the results? How do I succeed at this thing? But if you really disassociated, um, so during this time period, I went back, uh, as a kid, I was kind of a weird kid. I was into like, uh, I don't know, sacred sites and, and all sorts of maybe parapsychology and, and different spiritual things but then kind of put it all away um and then and then went back to it like really was forced to like the, the same game plan wasn't working um you know again i could have went back to to the same thing things but it wasn't working for where i was going next and so it was a deeper like spiritual journey over the last decade or so and one of those is looking at spiritual texts like the bhagavad gita and there's a great book called the great work of your life when and so it takes all these different people from history, like Nelson Mandela and and uh, Susan B. Anthony and, and a couple other people, and, and it's like, okay, when when you reach your when you finally get um, uh, into your true dharma, which is like your you know your true purpose, things just explode. And part of that is that you're only you're only entitled to your labor, not the fruit of your labor. Is a big concept in Bhagavad Gita. And so, as entrepreneurs, that's you know it's a difficult concept to be like, okay, well. You're, if you put your true heart and soul into something, that's the reward, not the not the quote unquote what we look at as the reward, the external rewards that we're all so programmed to be looking at, and especially on social media. But if you truly put your heart and soul into something, that's the reward. And so that's what that question does. Like, what would I do even if I knew it would fail? And so it's, that's a huge one. So it's about the journey, um, and not to oversimplify it, but in, in in many ways we're focused on the destination, the Aston Martin, um, in in this in this um, analogy. But actually, like, what's the focus? Where it, like it doesn't matter where you end up whatsoever. You're gonna you're gonna love the journey, and you're gonna feel fulfilled as a result of the journey. Yeah, for me, it, it turned into this framework, uh, and I'll, I'll send you a picture that you can share with the with, with the listeners if you want. But it's this evolved enterprise framework, which as original three things are in the middle. That kind of was the nucleus. And then the next circle out was you. So it was like this continual evolution of you. Like you, it, it really forced me to look at, I almost like went back to ground zero of all this personal growth stuff that I've studied for decades and like, okay, what, what makes a good day? What makes a good week? What makes a good year? Um, and it was, it was just like going back to, to some basics and, and looking at those again and then really evaluating like, who are you? What, what is your true, true, true gift? And, and what do you want to do? But then also looking at your shadow side. So as entrepreneurs, like we don't always want to look at, um, you know, kind of the, the, the murky stuff underneath and being like, okay, well, what, what is going on here? 
and and then looking at those things and then this constant evolution of you and then it's like going deeper into what's what's the cause that i care about what you know what is my real reason why and you know for me it was changing the way business is played um so using the leverage of business to make a greater difference and now it's all about me like how do we use business as a lever to make it uh to to increase consciousness in the world or have higher consciousness in the world because i think that's the foundation for all decision making and if we have a greater uh, time frame of intention of what we want to do in our world like business to me has the greatest opportunity to make that difference and then from cause it creates the creation which is the product or service itself like how do you build bake in that that impact or cause that you want to be a part of how do you build that community of customers that we talked about that want to buy more and then how do you create that culture uh, within within your team and, and and others all around you so that that's kind of the framework for evolved enterprise and it builds off of that. I, lo- I absolutely love that. And um, Evolved Enterprise, for those looking for it, is the, was it was it the second second book that you wrote um, if uh, before the before the journal? Yeah, it was, it was the most recent book. Yeah, the most recent book. Um, the, yeah, it's, it's the one that, you know, we talk about like putting your full heart and soul into it. Um, that's the one that I feel like I put my full heart and soul into. I've written a couple other books before uh, that were more, more business oriented, even, even more like one was about moonlighting on the internet, which, which was cool. But then, uh, and the other one was called Maverick startup, but this was the one that I really felt like I put my full heart and soul into. And, and actually the, one of the reasons that I did feel like that was I, I literally remember I had a deadline with my, one of my friends and he's like, okay, it has to be done by this date because normally I put out stuff really fast. And this was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm like, just, I don't know. There was, there was something about it that was holding me back. And then finally, like at three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh, I know what I need in here. I need to add my own doodles. And as soon as I did that, I had this massive rush of, of energy and I added the doodles to it and it just changed things and then got it out there. And, and you know, I feel incredibly proud of that of that work. Um, and, and it was funny. My wife asked me, she's like, oh, so how many copies do you want to sell to feel successful about this? I'm like, honestly, zero. Like, I don't it doesn't matter now. And, and that was a huge, huge revelation for me. Um, and that's when you know that you're putting out some really good work. Absolutely, I think, um, and I, I, I can't speak to the to the level that that you've clearly accomplished it. But yeah, going through the process of collecting your thoughts into a, 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 such an organized manner that you can turn it into a book is a deeply fulfilling frustrating time consuming <laughs> process but but it's fulfilling and it's something that um you know hats off to anybody that um gets to the point where they've, they've published a book because you know there is no disregarding the the level of effort that goes in there but also congratulations for publishing a book not for publishing a book but for taking the time to get to know yourself and your thoughts and your experience better and also leaving something that other people can learn from um i think yeah, it ticks a lot of boxes for me um, there. Yeah, I mean, you can easily put out a book, right? Like anyone can do a book and you can use it as a lead gen and you can do it as, you know, this thing. But yeah, not I don't mean one of those books. Yeah, <laughs> but do something that has that kind of meaning. Um, I think in the inscription at the beginning, I, I talk about my kids and I say, you know, I've, I've kind of just left uh, guideposts for you. And, and that's that's really what I look at that that book or anyone's work like that is their guideposts, right? Like there's everyone, and I think Martin, you said this originally, like everyone's going to have their own individual journey. And I think there are 7 billion paths of, you know, however many people there are right now, or like they're all individual paths, but they all 
end up in the same place. And, and the only thing that we can do is kind of leave some, some guideposts and, but we can't tell people that this is, this is exactly how, you know, it's going to work for you and, and what is that going to be. Phenomenal. So that's evolved enterprise. And then you've got another masterpiece called the cosmic journal. Now, I'm hoping you're going to tell me that there's more of the, the questions that we, we just touched the surface on in there. But could you tell us a little bit about the Cosmic Journal and where we can get our hands on one? Yeah. Uh, so the Cosmic Journal is uh, definitely this project that, that fit very much into that idea of like you're that just putting your full heart and soul into something. And I saw this um, this challenge going on online about like 100 days of art every single day. Like I'm like, oh, that sounds difficult <laughs> i'm in uh, yeah and 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 intriguing at the same time and so as a kid i wanted to be a professional hockey player and a uh cartoonist in the off season and so in my journal over the last couple of years my art has started coming back where i would like take pictures of stuff and i would doodle it or i'm always doodling on, on meetings and so forth and i'm like okay well this is really interesting and then also i love my journal so like what would i do and I'm like, instead of 100 days, let me do 108 days because it has more meaning in a lot of the wisdom traditions. And so I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to do this for myself. Like, I love I love experiments because it, it actually in, increases our the promises that we make to ourselves are usually the ones that we we seem to keep the least. But but like, how do we strengthen that muscle? So I'll, I'll do things like, you know, let's try, you know, no alcohol for 33 days and see what happens or, or no uh, no sugar or, you know, or, or doing something else and, and, you know, adding meditation. And, and then, and then at the end of the experiment, you can see like, has that helped my life or not? Do I want to include it? Right. Like, mm -hmm. so a lot of people want to add journaling or have tried it and stopped or whatever the case is, but having an experiment and an end time creates that opportunity to be like, okay, yeah, this is, this is interesting. So for me, this little art challenge then turned into me drawing a hand, hand drawn illustrated journal page every single day. And a lot of times I just meditate and see what came through me or it'd be like going back through years of journals and, and pulling out some of the best stuff. And it was written just for me. It was just like, um, you know, stuff that I wanted to memorialize or, or bring together. And I, I, I didn't really know what the heck I was going to do with it. Uh, way, 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 way back in my mind, I'm like maybe I'll publish it. Maybe I won't. I don't, I don't know. But I wanted to write it just for myself. And then it turned into an oracle. Like, so about 50, 60 days in, I'm like just flipping through and be like, okay, what do I need to know? And I'd be like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I need to know right now. And then um, when I was done with it, I showed it to a couple of friends and they were like blown away by it. And one of my friends was like, all right, I know you're not going to make this real project. So I'm going to pay to actually publish 888 copies of this, this version, the vegan leather uh, version. And I'm like, okay. And so then I had to like actually figure out like what, what does it look like? How do we how do we pull it together? Uh, and then I created a left hand side prompt pages for people so that they could actually use it. And some of them uh, are are prompts like questions and some of them are just I don't know. It's actually this is this is my own version. So you can see that's the actual page. And then, you know, so you can see I, I use my own, too. And, and then when I hand it to people, I call it the galactic instruction manual you were missing when you were born to, uh, to fulfill your destiny here. And so, or, or re-remember your destiny here. And, and so it works like an oracle or you can go day by day and it has a real arc to it. And it's a great way of getting into journaling, but also has a deeper meaning for, for people. 
I, I think it's uh, phenomenal. And so just before we go into the uh, into the, the next stage of the, the interview, the, the, the question round, where can people find out more about you and where can people get their hands on the things that, the pieces of your soul that you've put out into the world? I can't think of a better way to describe it, frankly. It's not your products. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, cosmicjournal.com, they can pick up, uh, there's a few copies of this special vegan leather version or, or Amazon or hayhouse.com for, for those. We actually also have a set of Oracle cards that, that now I created along with the Cosmic uh, Journal, which are really cool. They give you journal prompts and all sorts of things. Uh, and then evolvedenterprise.com for, the, for that book or again, Amazon or anywhere else you buy books. And, uh, and then that, the group, the maverick1000.com is the, is the group of uh, industry leading entrepreneurs. So those are probably the best places. And then I blog every once in a while at, at yannicksilver.com. Nice. And is there a particular place that um, you prefer to be contacted on if, if people reach out to you? Um, Instagram is probably probably a good spot. Um, I'm on there every so often. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just Yannick Silver at Instagram. Nice. A visual, a visual guy. I can uh, think of no better visual platform right all right okay so at this point in the show we like to mix it up we go into the rapid fire question round i ask the questions quickly you can take however long you want to answer them it is up to you it is your choice are you up for that yes are you two thumbs up up for that hold on let me uh get myself prepared here just need to see the thumbs (laughs) hold on (laughs) All right, I'm ready. There we go. There's the thumbs. All right, let's jump in. And I have not looked at these questions ahead of time, so I wanted to be surprised. Game face is on for those of you not watching the video right now. Yannick's game face is on. All right, question one. If you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? And I'm going to change this. If you ever had to start again, how would you find your purpose fastest? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, How would I find my purpose fastest? For me, so I, I look at one of my roles is to catalyze the catalysts, and it's like I love, you know, helping nudge those that are already doing really interesting things, and then bringing them together and creating a sandbox. So I think it's uh, by by bringing together really amazing people, and and then finding a way to to provide value for them. Uh, so that how do I get rich by enriching others ten x hundred x? So it's just continually asking what you know what are those ways that i can provide 10x in value to to those kind of people uh that would be that would be probably the way that i would find my greatest purpose through the leverage of of others doing really interesting things amazing what's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make there's there's probably a lot (laughs) um the one that's coming to me right now is this idea of um of that you can't pour from an empty cup it's, it's this notion that, that we need to have our cup full in order to provide for everyone within our organization, within our families, within our communities. And that has to come from, from taking the time for ourselves first. So it's not selfish. It's, it's really selfless because that's, that's a, a way for us to, to have the greatest impact that we want to have. And so that means uh, finding time for, you know, play is one of my favorite words. Uh, and, and like finding time for what feels like play for yourself. Um, and, and even, so one of my intentions for this year is play fully and fully means the fullest expression of who you are, but playing. And, and so 
finding, you know, where, where are those places that you feel fulfilled and, and nourished and, and rejuvenated and making sure that you have time for that, that, you know, like buying into this, um, hustle 24 seven mentality, I, I think is a detriment to a, a lot of leaders. So one of, one of the suggestions, um, I've, I've had previously around the play is if you're stuck for what do I do? Like what, what, what is a play time that, that I like not meaning the, the sort of infant sort of definition of the word, um, is actually the infinite infant definition of the word. Like if you enjoy doing it as a youngster, there's a good chance that you enjoy doing it now. And at some point you just stop doing it because society told you you're too old to do it. For example, case in point, I have a three-year-old. Thank goodness he's into Lego, which is a great excuse for me to build, right? And and I think I love it more than he does sometimes. Um, what what uh, tips or nudges do you have for the listeners uh, to help them find their play? Yeah, uh, I, I think you hit it. It's going back. So I think there's this kind of window approximately when you're six, seven, eight to about 14 or 15 or 16. And you go back and you start thinking about what did I love to do? Um, and so for me, it was, it was drawing. Uh, for me, it was being a class clown. For me, it was uh, being incredibly goofy and um, uh, you know, playing sports was, was a big thing too. And just trying to think if there's anything else. So uh, like parodies and random things like that. So, you know, I would, I would love all those things. And then I would just, you know, you, you go back and, and you see like, are there ways of including this into your world? And, and for me with, with the Maverick group, uh, you know, you mentioned the 200 miles an hour in, in the race car. Like, you know, I would I would bring in these elements of fun and just ridiculousness because that's that's who I am and loved it. Like, you know, that's the that's the way that, you know, Richard and I bond too about, um, you know, with, with the with the mermaid outfit. Uh, that was, you know, we, we would we would not just have a Q&A about the ocean and conservation, but our team's like, well, we should do it in mermaid outfits. And then they surprised <laughs> me and him with mermaid tails. And, and he's, you know, he's almost up for anything. He puts it on and he had been also like working out at that time. So we had just got back from, uh, from a triathlon together in Sicily, uh, maybe six months before that or something. So he was in pretty good shape. And so we both put on the tails and, and he's like, so come on. He's like, if we're going to do it, do it for real. And, uh, so, you know, he goes, takes off his shirt. I'm like, okay. And so that's how, that's how we did our, our Q and a, but that whole idea of like, what is play for you? Like there's so many more ways of including that into your into your world uh, that that most people don't don't include because they think well that's not professional or that's not I don't know or, or that has no like, like what am I going to do with it and and so play can also help you discover new things like it's it's just fun like I don't know like play for me now is is also hanging out with friends and working on business ideas and models that, that could be fun and incorporate this impact but then also have that all the fun elements to it and so it's like you know what what just naturally do you light up about uh and and incorporate that in and it's probably not going to be the exact same as when you were a kid but but it, it, you can have a higher level now um almost like a lens to it so you touched then upon the the regulation that most of us suffer with which is that kind of seriousness and um you know you're an xyz insert however you identify now you can't do that 
what tools, if any, do you have um, or suggestions do you have for breaking down those stupid barriers, <laughs> frankly, um, to, you know, take take yourself less seriously and start living life more playfully? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be slightly different for each person uh, because it's not like, you're like, okay, we're going to have silly hat day at work or whatever. And everyone brings <laughs> in their silly hats. Like it's got to come from a place that feels authentic to you. Uh, and, but, but it's like, you can always notice like, you know, what, what really got me excited? Like, you know, is, is there a show that I used to watch as a kid or whenever? And you're like, Oh, I love that. And like, how do we bring more of that? And, and then start dissecting what, you know, why did I love that? Or what, what, what do I want to bring forth from it? Like, for instance, uh, I don't know. I love, uh, whose line is it anyway? Right. So I love the improv nature of just ridiculousness and, and fun. So it's like, how do we bring that forth into some of the things that we do and, and, and bring people together with? And sometimes you can bring that playful aspect in for the people that you want to serve. Like, the, you know, that was my first answer to you about, you know, where do you find that purpose and starting over? It was helping others. And most people don't have an outlet for something that is fun. And when it is fun and playful, it brings them together. And I think of it too as like purposeful play. It's not just play, you know, and, and there is like, there's a great book by this guy named uh, Stuart Brown, Dr. Dr. Stuart Brown called Play. And it talks about why all mammals need play and, and why it's this incredible uh, way that we learn. Uh, and, and then he said, he has a quote that the opposite of, um, the opposite of play is not work. It's depression or something like that. And, and it's just like, we, we need that that into our world, and and so if you want more of it, that means probably others do too. And so one of the ways that you bring it forth is by bringing it to other people, and then automatically you you'll be playing too. Absolutely, I, I, you're you're um, jogging my memory back to an event we ran. We ran it um, at an actual palace in the Dominican Republic. I don't mean a big building. I mean an actual palace. Peacocks roaming, helipad. Um, you know, numerous jacuzzis, private beach, all of that, like really, really beautiful surroundings. And I remember we we had this game. So it's all entrepreneurs there, right? Like all entrepreneurs, all alpha types, all, all of the stuff that comes with entrepreneurs. And we had this massive group game of volleyball. And uh, and we did one on land and one in uh, one in the pool, and it was just utterly hilarious. There was completely mixed talents. Everyone's uber competitive. There's heckling going on. There's playfulness. There's people of various shapes and athletic, you know, shapes. Um, and it was just it was just brilliant. It just it was a bunch of kids, um, you know, smashing a ball around, banter, um, rife. You know, it was just it just utterly brilliant. And 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 in that moment. Like nothing else exists except what you're doing in that moment, and it's yeah, so I, I love that. We actually have uh, on Necker. We run a, a tournament called the uh, Patron XO Beach Volleyball Invitational, <laughs> where it combines uh, shots of Patron with beach volleyball. Where it's us against the Necker staff, who are all you know, cut six packs. Uh, <laughs> you know, these guys and gals they spend a lot of their time. Uh, kiteboarding but they don't do as much volleyball but they're very competitive too so um, i'm actually technically a professional beach volleyball player because um, <laughs> you represented the island or well no like um like I, I played in a professional tournament with one of my oh, buddies who's a true professional beach volleyball player <laughs> uh and, and it's a funny backstory but he ended up 
uh, having his partner bail on him like an hour before the tournament deadline. And, and I'm like, dude, you need a five foot eight partner. He's like, yeah, I'll get back to you. Uh, and and I'm, I'm a pretty good player, but definitely not at that caliber. And, and so we, we did end up, um, I ended up sponsoring our team and he's like, okay, fine, you're in. And, and so I played in a professional beach volleyball tournament, which made me a professional. You could actually search my name and EVP. I think there's a stats from our, our tournament. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> So then we, we have this this tournament that goes on every year and we have a great time with it. And and a lot of times Richard will watch it. And so we beat the, the Necker team four out of five years, uh, which is just, you know, they were they were just appalled. And and and, and the finally the one year that Necker team won, um, like Richard was so happy. He we have a picture of him like bowing down to the team, to the Necker team, like to uh, bring back uh, bring back just the. Uh, I don't know the, the the pride of the island and and so forth and, and it was it was hilarious. I mean, you it's like just I don't know like like stop taking yourself too seriously is, is probably the, the the best way of saying it. Absolutely. Who is a great leader, alive or dead, and why? You know, someone that I've been really fascinated by lately and I love is Jim Henson, uh, the the gentleman who created the Muppets, and I've. Uh, I've really loved his story um, of, of being that artist and that creative, and then also combining the business side. You know, he was very astute about about holding on to all his character licenses and and, and IP around that, and then he would be licensing out uh, the Muppet and and all the other material. He also continued to push the envelope. Like he, it could have been really easy to just rest on his laurels of this is what I'm known for, which is the Muppets and even Sesame street. And it's like a kid's version. Uh, but he kept pushing the envelope with like dark crystal and labyrinth and, you know, not all of them were as successful, but he continued to just find things that interested him. And then everyone that worked with him, I don't think you could find too many people that had anything bad to say. He was always interested in how to, how to have the performers get a piece of, of the upside, like the performers that perform, you know, one was Gonzo or one was whoever, they would get uh, a percentage of the licensing royalties for their character. And, and so he was like, you know, I think really at this forefront of, of providing equity and opportunity for so many people and, and having um, just, yeah, I, I just really love the way he did things. Uh, you know, a lot of people would compare him to Walt Disney, but, but I look at him in, in a different light, which was, um, just a, a, a more, I don't know, a, a, a more uh, creative individual that, that kept it even purer uh, for, for that creative side, but, but also not forgetting the business side. I love that. What is one of your proudest moments? Um, so like a, a recent one was uh, when when I had one of my kids repeat to me something that I've been telling them for years and years uh, about, you know, uh, it might feel like a lecture so many times, but, but the, you know, I think it was my daughter who mentioned something and she said it to like one of her friends and I'm like, ha ha ha, she, she's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so those are those are really really powerful when when, uh, when when something shows up like that. What's one interesting fact about you that not many people would know? Oh, 
feel like uh, I feel like I, I, I share so much uh, <laughs> that are random, interesting facts. Um, I think the one that is kind of cool um, is that my birthday is nine twenty-five, and inside sterling silver, you'll see the number point nine two five, which is pretty pretty interesting. Your birthday's on a lot of a uh, lot of jewelry and and other silver products around there in the world. No excuse to forget. Uh, the only, the only, I mean, I mean, if I do forget it this year, it would only be because we do the date the other way round here, right? Like, yeah, that's the, right. Uh, Twenty-five nine. So. Yeah, it is pretty funny, right? Because when I when I came here to North America, that's the that's the date, or even just U.S. is that version. But if I was still in Russia, it would have been two five nine. So yeah, you're like, no, I'll embrace that. I'm the silver man. <laughs> I'm everywhere. <laughs> what daily routines do you have, whether morning or evening, that have helped make you successful? Uh, meditation is something that, that has been a big part of my life for probably the last six, seven years that I can't imagine not having it in my life anymore. I, I thought that I could never meditate. Like I had a million ideas per minute. And, uh, and, and then when I just, you know, same thing, like trying those experiments and I'm like, okay, well th this really does help. So meditation, um, I would say yoga, it's not a daily thing, but probably uh four or five times out of, out of seven and and then at night is journaling so before bed is is 20 minutes or so of, of journaling of just you know processing the day, the day or what's going on uh and then also adding a, a second uh meditation usually before that that journal that's been that's been really really powerful how did you what did the challenge look like that meditation challenge what what did you challenge yourself specifically to do you know, I, I just never thought I could do it. Like, I didn't think I could quiet my mind. I had seen the scientific research about why it's so powerful and so forth. And um, I was speaking at one of my friend's conferences, uh, Vishen Lakhiani at, at A-Fest. And he had been talking about meditation. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give it a go. And and so I remember going off into, into Maui, into the ocean, and I had my snorkel gear on. I'm like, okay, I could listen to my breath, and, and this would be kind of cool. So I'll just listen. And then all of a sudden... As I uh, as I was doing that, like this school of fish enveloped me. I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. So I, I think like kind of the universe will give you like a little wink when you're on the right direction. And then I did it for the next couple of days. And then um, I remember like another sort of indication was I saw a sea turtle. I'm like, I really want to see a sea turtle. And literally like that next moment, <laughs> there's a sea turtle right by me, like 15 feet away and swam with it. And, and it was it was just magical. And then. It, did, it wasn't like a daily thing after that, but I was then interviewing Russell Simmons maybe two or three weeks after that, the, the hip-hop mogul, and he's a big yoga practitioner, uh, big yogi and meditator. I'm like, all right, this dude who's like super ADHD, like if he can do it, I feel like I can at least give it a go before I interview him. And, and so I just used his process for two weeks before my interview. And then it just stuck. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep doing it. And so I don't think there's been one day in whatever it's been six, seven years that I haven't meditated now. Amazing. And and there's no like right or wrong way of doing it. And it's like it's so so powerful. And it's not like a light switch moment. It's not like if I do it one time, you're gonna you're gonna feel the result. It, it builds on on itself. But it's it's really something I love. You know, again, these experiments, right? Like, so you give yourself an end date, and you're like, okay, let's try it for two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever it is, and see what happens. What book or books changed your mindset or life? 
Uh, I mean, books are my favorite. Like, I literally think that books are like my best friends. Um, <laughs> I think that your life changes through the books you read or material you study, the people that you meet and the experiences that you have. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's so many books. Um, I think the, the one, that recent one that I mentioned before, The Great Work of Your Life by this guy named Stephen Cope. I don't think a lot of people have seen that or know about that one. That That's a really, really powerful one. But I think uh, it came at the exact right time when I was kind of figuring out how to how to really lean into what, what we're doing here and what's next. Nice. And could I, you've, you've already mentioned Stuart Brown's play and Great Work of Your Life here by Stephen Cape. Can I, uh, you, you just identified his books being your, your best friend. I mean, I'd be a fool not to ask for at least one more. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you uh, give you a lot more. I mean, it's it's like <laughs> I love. Um, I mean, it's funny. Like, I I think the, the great books that you go back to over and over again, and you're a different person, and then uh, and then you can see, you know, what what jumps out at you now, or what's what's different. And um, if I think about books that I've read, you know, three, four, five times, those are the ones that that are really really powerful for me. Um, there's, I always get the name of it wrong, but the, the author, it's a very unknown book. It's a guy named Itzhak Bentov, uh, B-E-N-T-O-V. I think it's called A Brief Tour of Higher Consciousness. And, and I really love that one. It's, it's got like some doodles and illustrations in it, but it's talking about, okay, what's, what is kind of, it's in a very whimsical way about, about this higher tour of, of, of consciousness. And, and those are the things that really interest me about, you know, what's, what's kind of going on behind the scenes and, and how, do we, how do we show up in that way in alignment with, what the universe wants so that we can be a, a vehicle or instrument for that. Phenomenal. I love that. And three, three books that have not been recommended yet on this show. So, uh, that excites me, um, getting into that, diving into that. I, I got a lot, a lot more books. I'll be happy to send you, send you titles. I, I, yeah, I'd love to. And I think, I think the world would love to, if you can get it on your blog as well. Um, uh, I mean, if, if you haven't already, it's tremendously valuable and understanding, like you said, it shapes your life. And, and so, you know, when, it, yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm struggling to put into words yeah. exactly what I mean here, but it's, uh, it's an unusual book for you. That's really, uh, shaped you, not the regular ones, but do you know what I mean? So I haven't read nonfiction. I've only read nonfiction really in my adult life. And, and I think that's something where I maybe prioritize um, nonfiction because of, um, uh, should we say, strict reading boundaries. And that's something that I'm working on as well as giving myself permission to, to read more and do more things like that for, for me and, and fighting off the sort of monkey on my shoulder that says, you should be working. You've got a family, bitch. That, that monkey, the bad, bad speaking monkey, right? Uh, so, I mean, a lot of things that, that share, I mean, I remember reading one of the big fat Harry Potter's Potter books on the day it was released from cover to cover, um, in the bath, I came out like a raisin by the end of it, um, like in, in, a, in a day. Right. And, and I remember that being like a truly a book that I haven't been able to put down. I think more recently, some of the, the books that I'm, I'm enjoying is Atomic Habits. Um, that's a great book. Uh, another book that I come back to is The Magic of Thinking Big. And one that um, really, really, I mean, that's just a classic that, that's a, a rereader. And, and uh, you know, that's David Schwartz. I've got it on my uh, bookshelf over here. Um, but a couple that, that I have really enjoyed historically are ones which sort of help you find your yourself 
uh, and understand yourself and embrace your weirdness. And one which I think um, uh, really, really portrays that really well is um, How to Fascinate, or it might just be Fascinate by Sally Hogshead. And um, and then Ray Dalio, in a much more analytical way, is saying a similar thing where it's like understanding your strengths and weaknesses and understanding your team's strengths and weaknesses and trying to create it, put it into an objective playing field. And he talks about like baseball cards for your team where each team has their strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, like top trumps. I don't know if that's a, that translates. It's like a card game where you, you, you your character on your card has strengths and weaknesses and powers and you can sort of like trade them and 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 do battle and so some of those are sort of cliche books but you know i'm happy to return the favor and dig deep we just moved house so a lot of my books are like boxed up right now and i just yeah i'm looking forward to the moving into the house we're building right now so that we can uh, unbox those books i love what you said about embrace weirdness and that's that's a huge thing because uh weird as a kid I was definitely weird. And then it's like embracing it again has really been powerful. And the word weird comes from Middle English, like 1300 or 1400, which meant something like path of destiny. And we've gone to like, you know, weird is, is bad, but weird is really your, your pathway to, to, to doing your, your best work in the world and finding your, your tribe of people and, and building your community and so forth. Love that. Really love that. What's the most exciting question you spend your time thinking about? It is. I mean, it's that that question that I that I answered about the thousand, you know, hundred eleven year old self, which is uh, lighting lighting the thousand suns. So it's how 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 do I light the thousand suns? I can each light another thousand suns. Nice. What unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out? <laughs> I actually have a really, really good one. Um, so this has come into my life and been a big, big part of my life uh, is cacao, uh, ceremonial cacao especially. Uh, so there's a, a certain kind of cacao that is only ceremonial or, or, or only used for ceremonial. Uh, it can be used for other things too. But So there's four types of cacao and cacao is incredibly healthy for you, high in antioxidants, high in magnesium, um, and, and cacao is grown all over the world. It's the, it's sort of the, the, the base material that chocolate is made out of. And, and so when you see chocolates and it'll say, you know, 60% cacao or 75%, 80%, this is 100% pure cacao. So it's very bitter, but it is a, it's a heart opening medicine. It's a, it's an actual plant medicine. And, and so this has become bigger and bigger recently and incredibly powerful using it for creativity for enhanced intuition journaling uh really anything it can be it, it's you know my teacher calls it a platform so during this period this this interesting pause or whatever we called it uh, i actually took a cacao apprentice program and and so you know went deep with cacao and ceremonial cacao and it's it's really really powerful uh, and so i'm going to be combining that with cosmic journaling in the future wow well, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna be looking into that. Although I'm not sure I can get hold of the ceremonial stuff, but uh, um... <laughs> yeah, they'll probably ship it. I'm pretty sure they can get it out to you in the UK. <laughs> what advice would you give your younger self? Um, this just continuing to lean into 
whatever fascinates you or interests you or, or whatever you have curiosity for, or, or regardless of if you just, yeah, regardless of, uh, of making it, uh, like trying to justify it or not, like who cares? Like there, there's some reason that you're attracted to it. So continue just following those little, those little, uh, pathways. Phenomenal. And then we've, we've come to the final question, which for a lot of guests is the hardest question. And, and yeah, I, I, feel like it's going to be the easiest one for you but nonetheless what makes you happiest i am happiest uh you know that notion that i was talking about playfully and and playfully to me is is just uh feeling being fully utilized like like putting all my all my talents and resources and 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 access into into something that can make a greater difference and and that feels like play and doing it in a way that is playful and and it's just fun so that that makes me happy is hanging out with with people that i love and and appreciate who are uh who are incredibly smart and talented and and working on ideas and projects that can make a greater difference in the world amazing a phenomenal answer to top off a, a phenomenal question and answer round um that brings us to the end of the, the the questions, but I'd like to ask you, do you have any asks or requests of the audience listening today? That's a good question. Uh, no, no, not really. Um, I mean, I'm always looking for interesting partners to, you know, I, I think we have a lot of projects that are kind of stalled or, or that I'm not as excited by anymore. So if there's, if there's someone that's an incredible marketer and, and is looking for other great things to market and, and, and push out that they can feel incredibly great about. Um, I'd love to love to talk to them uh, because we, we have a lots, lots of ideas and projects for cool things that can make a greater difference in the world. And, and I'd love to talk to some smart people about it. Amazing. Well, Yannick, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us today. It's been a really, really fortifying, wholesome interview i i have really enjoyed going deep into just purpose and mission and values and culture with you it's it's been a breath of fresh air getting out of the 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 tactical and and getting into the why um deeply uh, i think we're aligned on a lot of uh, a lot of values and and you know it's it's so wonderful to to see what you've you've built already and 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 what what you've created already and um yeah just once again thank you so much for taking the time to share that with us today yeah thanks martin i appreciate it and uh you know the, the last thing that i'll leave is that all those things don't have to be at the expense of revenue and profits and it actually enhances it which is really exciting so when you start applying all of it it actually works well for everything well, once again, thank you so much. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.